watching this good afternoon good evening or good night and if you could guess that reference you uh you pretty much win this show today hello everybody welcome to the challenge flag where we call bs on fantasy football so-called experts i'm zachary dorfman joined by michael conti hey how are you hey how are you and today finally my favorite topic, the reason I play fantasy football, to be honest, is wide receivers. Our wide receiver show is going to be a little bit different than our other shows. We're actually going to split this one up into two different episodes because Mike and I love talking about wide receivers that much. There's just so much to go through. So for this episode, we're going to do our normal disparities. Uh, we're going to then at the end, Mike's just going to give us our bold prediction. The disparities are going to be the big part of our show this time. Next time though, we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to talk about sleepers because you can't talk about wide receivers without mentioning some sleepers. We're going to go with guys that we're high on, guys that we're low on, do our like little flip-flop game, talk about some articles that we found as well that uh, we like or dislike. So for this episode though, we are mainly just going to focus on the disparity rankings, but you get two weeks of wide receivers. So lucky you guys. Before we do, make sure to give us a follow on Twitter at flag underscore challenge. You can go check out our YouTube channel at the challenge flag. You can go search that on YouTube. You can also uh, send us an email at the challenge flag official at gmail.com if you have any questions or anything you want us to cover on the show. Uh, you can also take a listen to us on iTunes. You can just search our show right in the iTunes store and you will find us. So before we begin with our wide receivers, Mike's got a little bit of a disclaimer here about today's show. So on today's show, when we discuss wide receivers, more specifically wide receiver three, wide receiver three today will be a very broad term. It's not going to specifically be talking about wide receivers 25 through 36. It can include receivers maybe as low as 45 ranking. This is because the wide receivers that are technically wide receiver three and the ones lower, they all average around one or two points within each other per game. When we're talking about wide receiver three, we're talking about players that have that boom potential to get you 20 points a week during a specific matchups. They won't have the consistent showing on the week-by-week uh, -week basis, but at the end of the year, a guy who's ranked 30 compared to a guy who's ranked 40 might have only scored one or two more points per game. So when we say wide receiver three, we're, we're talking like a range of players from 25, maybe down as low as 40, 45. They all have the average amount of points per game towards the end of the year, but some of these guys will have that boom potential. And when we talk about wide receiver three, that's all we mean. They're a serviceable wide receiver three in three wide receiver leagues or a flex play in two wide receiver leagues. Yeah, I agree. Cause you know, if the difference is just, uh, you know, one point to like one and a half points a week, you know, I don't, sometimes I don't really need a guy to get me like nine points averaged a week. I want to be starting a guy, you know, someone that comes to mind was like Will Fuller for a few weeks last year, you know, starting a guy that has that boom potential to win you a week. So yeah, I agree. 
So another thing before we start that I think is really important to know is that with wide receivers, there's so much to analyze. It's not just a, you know, a one dimensional or just a two dimensional game like running backs, right? It's how well are they running? How well are they catching? Maybe analyzing their situation as well, like their offensive line. For wide receivers, it's everything. It's not just, you know, if you're the starting running back, you're the starter. For wide receivers, you can have, you know, the the second guy, the third wide receiver uh, outperform the first wide receiver on a team. So um, I want to break down a little bit for you of the, like, of the statistics that we think are really important when we're going to be analyzing these wide receivers. So something to know is that there are three different types of wide receivers on a team. There's the X, the flanker, and the slot. And these are way more important than you think when analyzing future trends. So the X wide receiver is uh, the guy who lines up right on the line of scrimmage. He is not allowed to move, uh, not not allowed to be set in motion. um, And these are the guys that are going to see a lot of jamming at the line. They're going to try to disrupt their route. Now, the one receiver that comes to mind is Mike Evans. Uh, He is like built like an X receiver. These are going to be fast guys. These are going to be big guys. Uh, The problem is, is that typically when you see jam coverage at the line, even if you're someone who is successful at jam coverage, because there are guys that do have that skill set, like Mike Evans, for example, um, that's, he's going to have a lower success rate versus jamming than he is versus like, you know, just normal man coverage or zone coverage. So even the guys who are great at jam um, at, you know, playing as the X receiver, it's going to be a little bit less of a success rate on other coverages. So definitely keep that in mind. Uh, The flanker position is next. Uh, They are on the outside as well, just like the X receiver, but they line up on the same side of the field as the tight end, and they're off the line of scrimmage. That is really important. Because they're lined up off the line of scrimmage, the quarterback can't just jam them at the line and disrupt their route, so they're going to get a little bit more space than the X receiver. They can also be set in motion to disrupt the defense a little bit. And the slot receiver, he's the inside guy. He's going to see the most soft coverage. Okay, he's going to see like a lot of zone coverage. Um, And that's really key. All three, you can be successful as all three. But when analyzing future trends, it is important to know what kind of receiver you, the guy that you're going to be taking is in his offense to know what kind of coverages he's going to face and then uh, to know how successful he is against those kind of coverages. So if you're someone that really likes to dive into doing background research on all of your draft picks and potential draft picks and you'd like to know more about this X flanker and uh, slot receiver information, you can check out Matt Harmon's reception perception that he includes in the Fantasy Footballers Ultimate Draft Kit. Yeah, it's a plug, uh, plug, 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 plug. Yeah, it's a it's a really great resource. He breaks down. Um, we're gonna talk about that a lot in this show, but he breaks down uh, success versus you know different kinds of coverages and routes and how often certain players uh, saw themselves in these different kind of X flanker and slot positions. And so um, you know you're gonna see how important that becomes when comparing some of these wide receivers to each other. So. Let's disparities disparities. Let's get right into it. The first guy on our list is probably the most talked about wide receiver when coming into the season. And that is Josh Gordon. He has a high ranking of four and a low ranking of 74. That's just disrespectful. That is very disrespectful. Also, I think 
the four might be a little too respectful. <laughs> it could be. I don't know. That's debatable. I don't, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. His consensus uh, consensus ranking is 22. So a lot of guys are more around the middle, not so many as low as 74. His ADP, he's going at 13. So a lot of guys do believe he's finishing above that consensus ranking. Uh, Jake Seeley, like I mentioned last week, uh, number one uh, most accurate predictor from last season, ranks him at 19. Sean Corner, most uh, most successful predictor from the last two seasons and number four last season, has him ranked at 25. So around that like later end wide receiver two range. ESPN 18, Yahoo 16, so right around the same guys. Um, two guys from Gridiron Experts have him outside the wide receiver wide receiver two range, so 25 and 31. So Mike, where uh, he's to me, he's kind of all over the place, and he reminds me a little bit of Andrew Luck, where guys are kind of afraid to rank him too high or too low. So Mike, where do you see Josh Gordon finishing? I would leave him in the wide receiver two area. Realistically, I think he has a skill set to be a wide receiver one, but he's going to be sharing some targets with Jarvis Landry over in Cleveland with my boy Tyrod Taylor, and I can't see him playing favorites between the two. I could see them definitely splitting targets by the end of the year, and just for that reason alone, I don't think he'll be able to finish in wide receiver one territory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because... Because like you said, he's got that potential, you know, back in 2013, which is like really his last, you know, full sample season to really look at in just 14 games, he was the number one wide receiver and had 1600 yards. So it's kind of hard to knock him, but that at that ADP, like you said, there's so many question marks with, and if Jarvis Landry wasn't there, I would probably have him higher as I'm sure you would too. Oh yeah, definitely. But Jarvis Landry had 161 targets last year. I mean, that's that's a lot of balls being taken away from Josh Gordon. He also plays in the slot, and um, Josh Gordon last year played 84.5% of his total routes were off the line of scrimmage, so either in the flanker position or the slot. But he's not going to see as much slot work while Jarvis Landry is there. So while I do see him, you know, getting like a lot of soft man coverage as opposed to he's not going to see much press coverage, which I think is great, but he's not going to see that um, that really, really soft uh, zone coverage that he would, as much at least, that he would get in the slot. Um, and last year he was 87% successful versus that zone coverage. So, you know, I would want to put, you know, if, if I were a fantasy owner, I would want to see him in the role that's going to exploit that the most. And I think with Jarvis Landry, being there, you know, that might, you know, that might eat into that just a little bit. I could definitely um, see him just being flanker all day and just throw Corey Coleman out there to be the X. To be the X, yeah, why not, you know? So, like, yeah, him seeing flanker role, like, that's still great. You know, he's still lined up off the off the line of scrimmage and he's still going to see, um, you know, some zone. But it's just, I want him to... See, and you know, Stefan Diggs was really successful in the flanker position this past year, so you know, and there's no reason that Josh Gordon can't be just as successful, if not more. <laughs> and you would know if you've ever played Madden that when you need that first down, you're hitting that flanker wide receiver across the middle. Flanker drive is like the go to play when you need a first down because the wide receiver is always open, and it's a 10 yard play, and but, it's always open. I think skill set wise, he's in the conversation as Antonio, Odell, Julio. AJ, DeAndre, like the skill sets there, mm -hmm. but it's just that he missed time. 
Jarvis taking targets. Does the uh, does the report that was released today that he's missing the beginning of training camp worry you? Yes, because if he's worried about relapsing or whatever the article was, I believe it was he was worried about a relapse or something with the anxiety just from training camp. I can only imagine that that's going to be multiplied during the regular season. But he was perfectly fine for those few weeks last year that he played. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming I'm assuming he stayed sober during those weeks that he played. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think we need to say that, like, you know, this is Josh Gordon's, like, personal life, and obviously, like, we're rooting for him to, you know, to get better and, like, be his best self. So, like, good for you. Like, you're recognizing a problem, and instead of, like, in the past where you would just kind of, when you had stress and anxiety, you know, he was, you know, turning to drugs and alcohol. Like, you know, he's kind of being, getting above, ahead of the issue, which I think is great as a person. It's just as a fantasy owner, you're a little worried about, um, like, I want to see him at training camp before I'm comfortable drafting him. If he's at training camp, he's doing well, he's healthy, then great, fine. But as a fantasy owner, it just, it does stick out to me a little bit that I'm like, I th- I just thought that he was, uh, you know, I thought that he was 100% ready to go. But Same. And as a fantasy owner, anybody who drafted him in the 6th or 7th round that year where he was suspended and then wound up just missing the rest of the year, this is rather frustrating to see. I was one of those individuals. I was one of those individuals as well. So, yeah, with that history of just kind of like, you know, again, good for him. He's trying, you know, he recognized something uh, was wrong within himself and he got the help he needed. And I think that if it happens again, he should still do that. But it's just a little scary as a fantasy owner that you know that at the drop of a hat, this is something that could be affecting him. Yeah, he could just be out for weeks to better himself, which is perfectly acceptable as a human being. But as a fantasy owner, you got to be wary of drafting him. Yeah. Now, let's just assume, let's just assume that that never happened. He's in training camp, starts the season off well, 100%. Uh, Where are you ranking him? But like, wait, like, I could safely say that he's going to be at least a 17, 18 wide receiver this year with the ceiling of wide receiver one. So you're going with like the ESPN ranking of 18. Yes. Yeah. I'm for me. I'm a little bit, a uh, little bit higher. I think that um, you know Jarvis's targets will go down, and as he, you know, he still will eat some targets. It's not just going to be the Josh Gordon show. I think that Josh Gordon is uh, just a good football player, and sometimes good football turns into good fantasy production. I'm going to have him just a little bit higher than you at the. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm agreeing with Yahoo. <laughs> I'm agreeing with Yahoo. And one of their rankings, uh, I'm going to say wide receiver 16. If you have him at 16, where do you have Jarvis at then? You have him in the low 20s at least? Or do you think he's his value is going to dramatically fall because he's losing that many targets to Josh Gordon? That is the question. Yeah, where – so, yeah, Josh Gordon's at 16. Where am I putting Jarvis Landry? You know, I think that, you know, like he had 161 targets last year. Like I could see that that's going to drop significantly in this offense uh, with Tyrod Taylor. I would probably have him at around. So Jarvis's uh, ADP is 24 and he's average going seventh pick in the fifth round, which means he's probably being drafted as your wide receiver three. So I definitely think that's, that's a very safe spot to take him not to go too far off topic of Josh Gordon. No, no, no. I think I, you know, it's funny, the number that was jumping off of my head was 24. Because I just think that, 
he's going to get enough targets and receptions um, to be still in the top uh, top two wide receivers. But with the targets going down, I just think that uh, it's going to be more, you know, more the same with him where he's not going to get the touchdowns. It's just going to be some dink and dump, but I just expect less of that. So I see him going into like around 24. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. That's tough for me to say though, because like a guy who. One of them could be, could just emerge as Tyrod's or Mayfield's favorite receiver and they just favor them. And that's the Throughout problem. the year. That's the big problem. <laughs> like the problem with not knowing and the problem with fantasy football sometimes is that it's like you do all this analyzing and there's two guys. Sometimes teams just target one. Yeah. So, you know, I'm saying this now. So I'm I'm making the guess that, you know, Jarvis is later than Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon's going to be the number one. But if that were to completely flip-flop during the season, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. Yeah. And that's what's hard with wide receivers. I mean, like, if you look at running backs, like, nobody is supplanting Zeke in uh, in Dallas. Like, we just know that. He's the number one. But with wide receivers, it's not necessarily that the number one is the number one fantasy guy. Even Antonio Brown was surpassed by Juju a handful of games last year. Yeah, it's not and that. And that's Antonio it, Brown. Yeah, yeah, the best. Antonio Brown, the best. The best. The best. Moving on. Amari Cooper. Amari poopered all over my fantasy team last year. Ah, I hate to love you, but a high of uh, a high of nine, a low of forty-three. So a lot of people feel the same way as me. I, you, the I love you and I hate you. Some days I wake up and it's just a little bit of both. Consensus eighteen, ADP wide receiver seventeen. Jake Seeley a little bit lower. 22, Sean Corner a little bit higher, 16, ESPN 21, Yahoo 19. A lot of these guys have them as uh, have him as back end uh, wide receiver twos, uh, but his high is a uh, wide receiver one. Yeah, nine, the ninth ranked wide receiver. What do you think, Mike? Wide receiver two, wide receiver one. He is just such a question mark this year. I put a poll out up on Twitter about Amari Cooper, and it was just so mixed 50-50 on, uh, like, do you think he's going to be better this year? Some people, like, were commenting back at me just saying, like, he's awful. I'm not touching with a 10-foot pole. So <laughs> so what is it? What what Which is it here? Just a fun fact for all our listeners out here. Zach a, grew up, I don't know if he grew up a Cowboys fan. His dad's a Cowboys fan. Oh, don't Zach say it. Is just, <laughs> Zach is just more of a, I love fantasy football. I watch football for fantasy football. He doesn't have a particular team. But he does own one football jersey. And that football jersey is Amari Cooper. False. I own four football jerseys. One of them is Amari Cooper. That is fact. You want to know what the, you want to know what the other three are? What was your first football jersey? Okay, first football jersey. Uh, Ryan got me a Calvin Johnson jersey as a birthday gift. Oh, Megatron! I forgot about that. Yeah, he's okay. he's my ultimate favorite. Uh, then the uh, Nicole or Ryan's parents uh, got me a Demarius Thomas jersey, and then I got the Nicole got me the Amari Cooper jersey, but. The the supreme. I did not get one last year. However, a few years ago, I did get a perfect, pristine Thad Castle jersey, which is probably my favorite. Count it. Boom. Thad Castle, wide receiver one. <laughs> Excluding Thad, this man loves wide receivers. Yes. So, uh, tell us about your jerseys that you own. 
first ever football jersey I purchased was a navy blue and gold Marshall Falk jersey. Oof. And let me tell nice. you, in elementary school, we had a wear your favorite jersey to school day. And this jersey was a little older now. Fifth grade, I was I was a hefty fellow. I weighed about 180 pounds. I you probably did not wore that. weigh 180 in fifth grade. <laughs> I can grade. pull it up. <laughs> I have it recorded in my little baby book from when I got my physicals. I was 183, like five foot eight. I was a monster. Dang. Should've I'm wearing this jersey. Mind you, it's a couple years old. I got it back when they were in the Super Bowl. So that was two years prior. I had my a little bit of a growth spurt, put on some weight. I'm wearing my favorite jersey. I'm feeling good. I got people laughing at me saying I look fat. What's up with that? You should beat them up. <laughs> Who was laughing at you? Everybody. <laughs> that's, that's so messed up. It is. Seriously, I was like in gym class that day. It was a Friday, and I just remember, I don't know what we were playing. We were playing the doctor game with the scooter. Hmm. You know, the doctor game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a group of girls just pointing laughing at me. And I was like, one of these days. <laughs> For those of you who are listening and uh, have never met Michael, Michael is ripped. So uh, the last laugh was... <laughs> and Mike had the last laugh. <laughs> I'm a big boy now. <laughs> In a different kind of way. So you got the Marshall Falk jersey. I got a gold Kurt Warner jersey. I've carried a Kurt Warner football card in my wallet for as long as I can remember since my wallet had Squirtle and Charmander on it. Shout out if anybody else has that exact same wallet. Probably best and wallet then, ever created. And then I went on a hiatus. In middle school, I got the powder blue Ladanian Tomlinson jersey. That That's probably my favorite jersey that I own. The powder blue, so like the powder blue, like uh, like that light blue Chargers. Yep, with the yellow lightning bolt and the white on the inside. Oh, Fresh that, AF. That's nice. And then I have one authentic jersey that was purchased for me from, I don't know how to say yours truly, but my co-host, Zach Dorfman, huh. got me a San Francisco 49ers Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis. Killed it for us one year. <laughs> And there's just and kind of a, my football jersey collection. Yeah, and there's just kind of a thing where you can't say Vernon Davis without, without flexing. You got to you got to do a double front bicep flex yeah. for all those bodybuilders out there. When you say Vernon Davis, Vernon Davis. Yeah, see, for like for my biceps to compare to you, <laughs> I would have to be doing like a, like a squat and like turn <laughs> turn the camera upside down and pretend my legs are arms. <laughs> Those hamstrings are the biceps. Yeah. <laughs> and still even that, actually, I don't even think I'm coming close. <laughs> Back to Amari. <laughs> Back to Amari. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you had something else to say. So tell me. <laughs> That's all. That was it. All right. Tell me why. Well, what do you think about Amari Cooper? Amari Cooper, he will be a, he's definitely going to be a wide receiver too. I see him in the lower ends, like in the 20s. If I had to put a spot, maybe 22. So some would say then that that's, that's like, that's low on Amari Cooper. I think uh, like the big consensus, besides that 143 ranking, the big consensus and the big question mark is wide receiver one, where if like if he hit, all the things click and he hits a ceiling, that's where he's going to be, or wide receiver two, where he falls off kind of like he did last year. So you're basically like, you're low on him. Yeah, I mean, Jordy and Martavis are the same wide receiver to me, just Jordy is obviously much older and towards the past his prime. And they catch the long ball, and Amari liked the long ball. So so far in his career, I can I can picture multiple 
50 plus yard touchdowns right now. Well, he averages, he does average uh, 14 yards a catch. Yeah, so they're definitely also going to be receiving those because Martavis Bryant, his cup of tea is bombs. Jordy Nelson, we all know he likes to score 75, 80 yard touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, so like I'm, I'm, it's a little biased. I think it well, might. Go ahead. <laughs> well, he missed three games last year. So yeah, I think it might be like last year. So we, we looked this up last year. He was 29 points short of ranking as wide receiver two. And he missed three games. So as much as people want to poo-poo on Amari Cooper, he had a good year. He missed three games and just missed out on being a wide receiver two. If during those three games, he had 9.3 points. He was wide receiver 24 at the end of the year. And that's definitely something that he could have done. If people are low on him, you know, I totally understand. He opened the season with a 17-pointer, but for the next five weeks, he completely fell off the map, scoring all single-digit points, two, 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 one two-point game and two one-point games. That's that's real bad for somebody who was drafted to be your wide receiver one. You know, he had those five bad weeks. Then he came back with a huge 44-pointer. But he, throughout the year, he was very touchdown dependent. He wasn't putting up double-digit numbers unless he scored a touchdown. And that type of inconsistency, I think, is why people are frustrated with him. And that frustration has carried over into this year. Technically, (laughs) technically aren't you a little low on him? Because you're saying he's going to be like... I'm saying he's like 22. That's because last year he was just, he was, last year he was just competing with Cooper. Not competing, they're teammates, they're working together. You mean, now you, he mean has, you, whoa, 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 oh, you mean Crabtree? He is Cooper. Yeah, yeah. He, yes, he, is. <laughs> he is. Your only opponent is yourself. <laughs> but, okay, Michael Crabtree. Instead of competing against just Michael Crabtree and who else? Seth Roberts and. Cordarrelle Patterson. Cordarrelle Patterson. He's going. He's got Martavis Bryant and Nelson lining up with him out there. Both of those guys at one point. Well, Jordy Nelson was a perennial wide receiver one for many years, and Martavis Bryant back in 2015 he averaged 15.1 points per game, which over the span of 16 games, that's locking him in as a wide receiver one. So his two new wide receiving teammates are both ex wide receiver ones. So the Derek Carr is going to be throwing a three X wide receiver ones. I could definitely, I, that's why I see him not quite finishing in the higher end of wide receiver two, just because the talent is there. It's not like, so just like not a, covered. Not, they throw to Amari yeah. Cooper. It's okay. Jordy's covered. Okay. But Martavis or Amari, you can throw to, it's not just the automatic, not that it was automatic, but, but like, so you're just saying that it's like, there's not enough to go around. Exactly. Gotcha. See, I, I'm going to disagree with you. Oh, well, 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 because this is where where I said in the beginning where the X flanker and slot kind of comes into the role, uh, comes into play. So like last year, they utilized Amari Cooper terribly on 40.5% of his routes. He lined up as an X receiver and saw press coverage. That's why you did see a lot of, you know, his like contested catch rate was down um, he wasn't really given the shot, but with Jordy and Bryant being X receiver type guys, especially Jordy, um, my ex, my, both of them pretty much actually, both of them, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, pretty much both of them with them being more the X receiver type. I see Cooper getting into the slot a lot more. Now they might try to do with Jordy what they did with, uh, Larry Fitzgerald to kind of renew a career and put him in the slot. 
Uh, but I do not see Cooper playing as the X receiver. Like he would at least play as a flanker if Jordy was in the slot because Gruden already said that he's going to be a key in his offense. And he saw what he did with his uh, X receiver press coverage uh, type role last year. And it wasn't pretty. So I don't think they're going to stick him back in that. And there's there's a little bit of the, the Gruden, uh, like the Gruden way here too. So in 2016, so this is, you know, pre pre anyone had any bad thoughts about Amari Cooper. He had 132 targets, 83 catches, 1153 yards, five touchdowns. Great for a second year guy. That would be a down year for one of John Gruden's number one wide receivers. Yeah. His number one wide receivers get around like 140, 145 targets. And he's already said he wants to get Cooper involved more. That could be coach's talk. But I just see with the way he was deployed last year, with the skill set that he has and that he can be and what he had done in the past, I don't see them try getting Jordy and Bryant to like kind of be the guys. I see them getting him so that Cooper can play in the slot and see like 140 targets. So for me, I have him right at that high, right at that exactly where that high is. Wide receiver, wide receiver nine. Wide receiver, wide receiver one. I think I think Cooper this year could make like 90 catches. 90 to 100 catches. I could see him getting more touchdowns. I could see like eight touchdowns. This is I think that he had like was he's only gonna get better. And he was probably he was um like reports were that he was kind of injured last year too and just playing through it. Yeah. And this is why I think that utilization is so important. Last year could have been so different. If they did not just shove him in that X receiver role, that's not the kind of guy he is. He's not Mike Evans. He's not this guy who is going to excel in the X receiver role against press coverage. He needs to get into that open space. And and I'm just I'm thinking that they're going to do that this year. Well, you're probably also counting on the quarterback guru, John Gruden, improving Derek Carr's play. Oh, absolutely. He's going to throw a lot of weird phrases at him, and Carr's just going to be better. <laughs> They're going to run the banana hammock out to Mari Cooper across the middle. and Yeah. He's a coach that if he invited me over to his house for dinner, I don't know if I'd go. Hey, he'd love you, though. I can tell you that. Oh, this guy. I love this guy right here. <laughs> yeah, this guy right here. <laughs> Oh, they're going to get a lot of that with press conferences this year. <laughs> Let me tell you, I love my wide receiving core. You know, you got Jordy, got Martavis, got Cooper. I we just got, love those guys. We got beast mode. <laughs> we got beast mode back here. Got the mighty hamster. What are they called, Doug Martin? Uh, the muscle hamster. The muscle hamster. <laughs> he hasn't been the muscle hamster in years now. He's been terrible. Anyway. Moving there seems on. to be a commonality between these disparity wide receivers that we're talking about, and that is just that they are not the clear-cut number ones on their teams. Yeah. Mari Cooper, I think he's – of the two people we've talked about, so him and Josh Gordon, he's definitely the only – like, he's not clear-cut, but it's safe to say at the end of the year he's going to finish with the most yards, most fantasy points on his team. Josh Gordon, Jarvis, you know, that's – that's not, gonna be Tyrod Taylor. That's not a definite. Yeah. You can see what Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield wind up doing. Baker Mayfield's out here throwing balls to Jarvis and Odell. Our last set of disparities is gonna continue the trend of just too many people need to get the ball to be productive. 
Yes, and that is probably actually, I said that Josh Gordon was the biggest question mark. This is the talking point of the offseason, I believe. The, they will both be productive. You're just going it's right just, for it. You're just going to be more productive. Yeah, pretty much. So, well, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay, so <laughs> Thielen, Adam Thielen versus Stefan Diggs. This is going to be another twofer, and it is the perfect combination to discuss in tandem. Let me give you their ranks. I'm going to go one and then the other. Thielen's high is six, Diggs' is high is 10. Thielen's low is 20, Diggs' is low is 25. Consensus, Thielen's is 11. Consensus, Diggs is 14. So only three spots different than each other. ADP, Thielen's going as the 11th, and Diggs is going as the 16th. Jake Seeley has Thielen at nine. So does Sean Corner. Wide receiver one. Yeah, as nine. I mean, actually, even the consensus in a 12-man league has him at wide receiver one. But Jake Seeley and Sean Corner both have him at nine. Diggs, Jake Seeley has him at 15. Sean Corner at 13. So Corner has them finishing a little bit closer to each other. Yeah. Thielen ESPN 10. Diggs ESPN 16. And Thielen on Yahoo is 11. And Diggs on Yahoo is 14. All of those numbers, if you'd like to go listen to them back again, all they basically say is that Thielen is going to finish maybe around four or five spots above Stefan Diggs. Now, here's the thing. Everyone has Thielen higher than Diggs, and I do not think that it is as black and white as that. I think that if you're someone who drafts Diggs instead of Thielen or says for the draft price, I'm going to get digs instead of Thielen, I think that that's okay. So, Mike, let's start comparing these two guys on... Really here, we're going to be saying, who do we think is going to finish higher than the other, and then we're going to we're gonna stick them somewhere in the rankings. So before we get into the nitty-gritty of all the stats, let's just say that I was, ta- I was at the 10th pick in the third round, which is where Stefan Diggs is projected to go, and for some reason, Adam Thielen fell. And I had to choose between Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. I would probably still have to go with Stefan Diggs. You might be thinking that I'm playing favorite here. Like maybe I owned Diggs in the past or I owned Thielen in the past and he didn't do well or Diggs did really well for me in the past. But honestly, I've never owned either of these two guys. So this is completely unbiased right now. But Stefan Diggs does have something in common with the best wide receiver in the league, Antonio Brown. They both last year had perfect route running trees. And what this means is that of all the routes that you could run, these guys scored the highest out of anybody in the league. And to be in any type of conversation with Antonio Brown, that gets two thumbs up for me. Also, just a comparison between Diggs and Thielen now. Diggs is the better red zone guy. He caught 12 out of 14 red zone balls while Thielen only managed to pull in 5 out of 16. When looking to draft my my top, my starting wide receivers, not the guys who I'm going to put on on bye weeks, but who I plan on starting week in and week out, I like them to be somebody that I know can catch a ball in the red zone. They're going to get the targets in the red zone and they can get it done. Both these guys had similar red zone targets, but um, Thielen only pulled in 5 of his 16 and Diggs pulled in 12 of 14. So that stat, along with a comparison to Antonio Brown, is why I would have to take Diggs over Thielen. And, you know, I would I would agree as well. I think that the targets from last year, 140 and 90 with Thielen and Diggs respectively, 
are going to even out this year. Kirk Cousins typically does like to spread the ball around. He does not just hone in on one receiver. That spread in targets that we've seen between Thielen and Diggs of 142 and 95, that is heavily impacted by Diggs missing two games. When you look at the 14 games where Diggs and Thielen actually played together and were both on the field, Thielen only averaged 1.6 more targets per game. And I think that's one reason why they have Thielen ranked higher than Diggs, and also because at the end of the season, Thielen put up about 20 more points than Diggs. But during the 14 games where they played together, Diggs put up 228 points in those 14 games, whereas Thielen only put up 220. So when they are on the field together, Diggs is the guy putting up more points with less targets. And that's kind of what I expect this year with the with the uh, the targets. And I mean, like, when we look at these two guys, they are pretty much the same in every single category, but I think that Diggs comes out with a little bit of an advantage. Thielen played the slot, Diggs played the flanker position. Uh, so neither one of them saw a lot of press coverage, which was great for both of them. Thielen had an 80% success rate uh, against zones, which he saw in the slot a lot. Diggs had a 78.7 success rate against man, which was best in the NFL versus man coverage, but it was around the same as what the kind of coverage that Thielen was seeing very often as well. Contested catch percentage. Diggs had 82.4, Thielen had 86.7, but Diggs was seeing more contested uh, catches than Thielen, than Thielen was, but their percentages were about the same. Here's where I think that Diggs starts. So they're about the same in that where Diggs starts to get an advantage is that when being targeted, Diggs produced a 136 passer rating when being targeted 15 or more yards down the field. He's the kind of guy that finds his, finds space against man coverage and is able to exploit defenses. And the quarterback was really successful targeting him. Mike already mentioned the red zone, and that I think that that is actually more of a big deal than people are giving credit to. Getting a touchdown can make up for a lot of targets and a lot of receptions on a team. Diggs was also 10% more successful than Thielen on man coverage, with only seven less routes run in man, and 10% more successful than Thielen on press coverage with only eight less routes run. So even when in that X receiver role, he was more successful um, than Thielen. So I just think that when you look at with them being both being really successful receivers, all I really see is that Thielen's targets go down, Diggs' targets go up, and Diggs is just so successful in every single part of his game, whether it's you know between the 20s in the red zone, um, you know the deep ball contested catch he's just so good no matter what the situation is that i think that Diggs is a safer play yeah for me i'm putting but like realistically yeah like what, what are you where are you putting them at the end of the year where do you think their their value is going to be but they're both going to be wide receiver twos uh i think Diggs is too successful of a wide receiver where you know if he stays healthy he is a wide receiver one i'm putting him at his high ranking at 10 and then Thielen, I think that with the targets coming down, instead of having like 90-something catches, I could see him more having uh, around in the 70s or 80s. And I think that just bumps him into the wide receiver too. I'm putting him at 13. Ooh. Yep. I was going to say, if you put him in the first round, who are your wide receiver ones? You got, you got <laughs> Gordon, you got Diggs, no. you got Cooper. 
Oh, you didn't have Gordon, but you had I did Cooper not. and Diggs. Yeah, I do. I do have Mario <laughs> Then you got Antonio Julio. That's the funny thing. Like when you're doing these rankings, like there's like the top six or seven are given. Yeah, but actually, the more you talk about people, it's like, I'd have my wide receiver one. And then you get done, you're like, wait, I have um, 15 wide receiver ones. It's like the top eight are pretty much like in there, like swimwear. Antonio Brown, Which top eight? Antonio so Brown, DeAndre like, Hopkins, Odell, Julio, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, AJ Green. I don't think Mike Evans is too much of a lock. Yeah. Doug Baldwin. I Baldwin's, I, can... I don't think he's a lock. I don't think T.Y. is a lock. Thielen, yeah. no. Okay, so then where do you have Diggs and Thielen at? This doesn't happen often, but I completely agree with your rankings in Diggs at 10 and Thielen at 13, that French wide receiver one spot, but he won't quite get it done this year. All right, everybody. So that's our show. Thank you for tuning in. If you like this show, well, guess what? Like I told you before, we have more wide receivers coming for you. Next week, we'll have our sleepers and some guys that were high and low on. It's going to be another great episode. So make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and check out our Podbean channel at the Challenge Flag Official Podbean.com. But Mike, play us out with your bold prediction. My bold prediction for wide receiver. Marquise Goodwin. I know what you're thinking. Marquise Goodwin? Yeah, Marquise Goodwin. This guy is an ADP of 42, and I see him easily finishing in that bottom of the wide receiver two range. When paired up with Jimmy Garoppolo last year, he put up 17.9, 16.6, 22.4, a lousy 6.7, but that was against the Jaguars, so I'm going to cut him a break, and 11.8. That's 15 points per game. You average that out over a whole entire season, that's 240 points, and that would have put him at eighth in the wide receiver rankings after last season. I know what you're thinking, but Pierre Garçon was out. He's going to be back. He's fully healthy. Who is Pierre Garçon? Have you guys seen Jurassic Park this past summer? Did you see Pierre Garçon in it? You probably did because he's a dinosaur. Another thing, Pierre Garçon You know that little thing underneath the sea that changes his name from Garkin to Garcon? That's called a waddle. You know what you're not going to see out of Marquise Goodwin? Any waddling. This guy is an ex-Olympic track athlete. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to long jump his way from ADP 42 up to wide receiver 2 and triple jump his way into your lineup and your hearts. That's why uh, Marquise Goodwin is my bold prediction. Thank you.